as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the six foot And we're talking about getting drunk because I had to see a crappy movie today What's yes. up? Yes <laughs> Welcome back to the uh, Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson of Graphic Policy and Big Shiny Robot. Oh, and we've got a bundle of joy for you today. We have the Emoji <laughs> Movie. Which I'm sure you can guess how much we like that. But thankfully, we also have Atomic Blonde. Oh, so, because we have around, to... Stick around. Stick around. Because that is... That, that, that's a good movie. That's a great yes, movie. That, and there's a lot to talk about, and uh, we both liked it a lot. But we have to eat our vegetables before we get to our... Anything else, but... This doesn't actually, even count as vegetables. as vegetables. This is like... No. Oh, this is like the... There's okay, so here here it is, the Emoji Movie. So there was a rumor about six months ago that this movie was canceled. I was very excited about that. Mm-hmm. It was it was fake news on the internet, and then they said, "Oh hey, we're not going to screen it for you." I'm like, "Oh good, I don't have to see it." But then I remembered, I'm a film critic. I'm a Razzie voter. I need to go yeah. see all the things. Yeah. So our good friend Jimmy and I just uh. Went and saw it. The best thing I can say is it was at the uh, the nice theater up in Sugar House, so at least the seats were comfy. But this basically has T.J. Miller starring as Gene, who is the meh emoji, uh, except he can make all the faces. And he goes on the phone, makes the wrong face, and this weird kid that has barely anything to do with the movie, who's like a real person, thinks his phone is messed up. So Gene lets everyone down, and there's this weird smiley emoji played by Maya Rudolph who wants to have him deleted so he runs off with a high five emoji who is voiced by James Corden who is slumming to find the hacker emoji played by Anna Faris to go to the cloud uh, through Dropbox and then through Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and product placement all over the place and scene I don't care this movie makes me want to delete my phone. I this mean, movie makes me want to go back just... to a flip phone. I don't want to use a smartphone anymore. I want I want emojis. I, and you know me. I am a huge emoji user. I If I send you a text or a message and there's not an emoji attached, I'm probably depressed or dead. So mm-hmm. I might stop that now because of this goddamn movie. I think this is a movie designed by people who think that they know what emoji are and how the internet works but don't really know how the internet works. These people have obviously never met like a teenager or a tween who is the, the obvious target demographic for this. Okay. So you went and saw this with Jimmy all formal. Like I went to it because my 11, almost 12 year old daughter begged me to go see it. And Mm -hmm. she loves emoji. She left the theater halfway through. (laughs) To go and text her friends and text them about how bad it was and how much she was cringing at how terrible it was. Oh, that's hilarious. When you have so lost your target audience that that's what's happening, then, I mean, you're just so off base. I I saw someone compare this to, to the Poochie of movies. Uh, yeah, that that basically sums it up. It's a bunch of ad executives who think like, "Hey, what are the kids like? 
Uh, emojis. Oh, yeah, that's a half-baked idea that we can turn into a piece of garbage. So, remember when you said, uh, back, uh, around the holidays, you said Collateral Beauty was Oscar bait for idiots. Yes. This is Inside Out for idiots. Yes. Yep. Someone yep. went inside like, oh, I can make a movie, and, and some, some little kid was told by their parents... When you grow up, you can do whatever you want to do. And that kid says, I'm going to be a director, and then made this piece of crap. I just, I feel so bad for all of the talented people who are involved in this. I don't, they, they cash their paycheck. I, I don't get to have that hour and a half back. Yeah, I don't know. I Patrick Stewart deserves better. TJ Miller deserves better. Uh, and, and James Corden deserves better. I, I mean, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And maybe I, someone was holding their families hostage, and that, that's that's all I can think of. Because honestly, I don't want to watch Deadpool ever again. Because I don't want to hear T.J. Miller's voice ever again. No, I'll, I'll go watch Silicon Valley and wash that taste out of my mouth by hear him say the f word over and over and over again. And see, and that's, if they would have made this movie a hard R movie, kind of like they did with uh, Sausage uh, Party. Sausage Party. This would have been the greatest thing ever. But no, they didn't do that. Because if I yeah. if, if I could have had the meh emoji saying the f word over and over again, that would have been funny because actually it would have you know actually twisted the whole thing on its head. But no, we had to be all cutesy style and then try to make a point and have a message. And everyone's important, and you should all fit in because we're all unique, special snowflakes. This is the snowflake movie. No, Ugh. and and I, and that's the thing is like they tried to have a message, but it's so totally mixed. I mean, they're trying to do this whole thing where. Maya Rudolph is playing like the Kmart version of Lord Business from the Lego movie. And like the Lego movie had this like fun subversive element where it's all about like conformity is bad <laughs> and yeah. you shouldn't listen to giant corporations tell you what to do um, because that that's terrible and that's not how society should work. And she is just awful. I mean, I, there, there was just nothing redeeming about all that. Again, I love Maya Rudolph, and I, I just, I hated that character. Every moment that she was on screen was like nails on a chalkboard. I mean, it was just so awful. Ugh. So, yeah, this, this is the, this makes Fist Fight look like a goddamn masterpiece. Oh yeah, I mean, I didn't mind fist fight because no, you, know the, you, you, you know how much I hated fist fight, but I yeah. would gladly go to see a double header of fist fight over this. Um, zero, 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 zero. Uh, everyone involved in this movie should just stop working or go sit in the corner for about three years before I, so I can forget the way your damn voices sound because this is absolute crap, and everyone involved should be punched in the balls because this is horrible. Zero, if I could give it lower than a zero, I would, because it... I expected this movie to be bad. Oh, me too. But I didn't expect it to be so boring and so banal and just awful. All around awful. I I, I mean, I expected it to be dumb and not have anything of substance there. I could have... I've sat through terrible children's movies before. But again, if if I could give it lower than a zero, I would. This yep. is this is just awful. And Tony Lindis, who wrote and directed this, stop, 
Stop. Don't be involved with movies ever again. Go home. I'm sure you got paid like at least a million bucks for this. Just drown in it. Put it in your room. Pack up your shit. Put it in a bag. Take it to the shit store and sell it. <laughs> Done with you. Seriously. <laughs> and what's worse, what's even worse, is this damn movie beat out the better movie this week, Atomic Blonde. Oh, Atomic Blonde. Uh, and and now, now we're going to have fun. So, so we got over uh, our shit stain thing. So. Oh my gosh. Atomic Blonde is everything that the Emoji movie isn't. It's it's new, it's fresh, it's fun. And Adam, we've talked before about how much I love the Cold War. And oh yes, so, yeah, this, this movie's made for you. <laughs> yeah, th- this movie really is made for me. So the best way that I can describe this movie is you take John Wick... And you take, like, the French Connection and, like, old Hitchcock thrillers. You put them together. Like Seven Days and, of Condor. Yeah, stuff like that. Then you set it to a soundtrack that you would have pulled out of a 1989 Berlin disco and set it uh, in the weeks right before the fall of the Berlin Wall. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's your movie. And and cast Charlize Theron as the, as the lead role. This movie is so much fun. It is brutal. It is sexy. It is fun. Uh, it is cool to look at. I, I mean, there. I I just had so much fun with this movie, and I I was I was not expecting it to be as good as it is, and I just I I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, and see, so. I love the John Wick movies. I would say they're up there with my favorite action movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize that it was the same director, David Lynch, who did, who yeah. uncredited for John Wick, who also directed this. And I was excited from the get-go because the trailers have been great. It looked like it was fun, subversive, interesting. And we, we sat down and someone next to me mentioned, like, oh, it's the same director. I'm like, oh, we are in for a treat. Because, yes, this is Charlize Theron's portrayal of Lorraine. Uh, who's you know the main character? She she could probably kick John Wick's ass. <laughs> she is such a complete and total badass. And yeah, this movie is so much fun. Uh, it's it's a little bit too talky sometimes. It, you know, it, it does a lot of show me, show me, show me, and then takes too long to tell me, tell me, tell me. Yeah. But uh, in fact, we, we were joking with our with our friends that if you took a shot every time they said the list, you'd probably be drunk within the first half hour. Yeah. Uh, or have alcohol poisoning. But. No, I mean this is this is interesting. It's cool. They do amazing stuff. Like so, every time they're in East Berlin, if you notice the color palette for the whole movie goes very dull and grimy and subdued. Mm-hmm. And when you're in West Berlin, it's neon and flashy and bright and you know just comparing and contrasting both sides of the of uh, Germany at the time. Well, uh, and it, it looks like a comic book movie. I mean, a lot of the same way that, like, Sin City mm-hmm. looks like it was taken off the pages that, that Frank Miller drew. This looks like a comic. I mean, but but we got that in, in John Wick, too. I yeah. mean, where they were really using color and they were framing things interestingly. And, man, some of the stuff that they do in this movie, the... The, the car chase that they oh, do yeah. set to Iran by Flock of Seagulls. Oh, my gosh. she gosh. just messes the guy up with her red high heels. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And what's so cool, too, is here she actually did almost every single one of her stunts. The only ones she couldn't do were the ones like where she jumps out a window or where the insurance company was like, no, you're, you're not doing that. 
but no, that's that's her out there. I mean, she, Charlize Theron is a fantastic actor. She's done amazing work. Obviously, deserves her Academy Award for Monster. But mm-hmm. ever since seeing her in uh, Fury Road and then now this, she's setting the bar for what action heroes can do in their movies, and that's really exciting. You know, we had Wonder Woman earlier this year, and now we've got Atomic Blonde, which shows that yeah, females are complete badasses. You know, you don't have to have a guy to run your movie. And what's even more exciting is the fact that this is the first time we've ever had in a summer tentpole blockbuster that we've got an LGBT member as the star. I mean, she is bisexual. They show her in uh, relationships with men and women. Uh, the one with the woman is... Uh, Sophia Butella from Kingsman and uh, Star Trek, yeah. uh, the, the most recent Star Trek, and... The Mummy, although we've tried to forget that. Although exactly. she was not the problem with that. Movie. No, she was playing that. But I, I will say, that scene... Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was obviously very erotic and very... Uh, they weren't shy to show things. But what's so cool was Lorraine isn't like James Bond. She doesn't have a conquest and leaves. It's actually, throughout the rest of the movie, they kind of develop a relationship. There's more intimacy there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they share moments together, and it's, even though this took place over a period of only a couple days in movie time, this was an actual relationship and not just someone that she wanted to get in bed with. Yeah, and and that this is what I found most interesting about that was it it never felt gimmicky, it never felt forced, and it's like oh she likes men and women, isn't that wonderful? Da, 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 it's like no. It, it it motivates her and her character you you find out so she's going to berlin to to find this this list of all of the agents on both sides it's, it's of, like of the plot the from mission impossible 1 yeah it's it's basically the same idea and i mean it's it's just essentially a movie macguffin it's like we've got to find this list and and we've got to keep it from falling into the hands of the soviets or we're all screwed but uh, one of the other reasons she's going is that uh, one of the British agents who was killed at the outset of the movie, she had a prior relationship with, and this colors her, uh, you know, her motivations and what she's doing. And uh, as things progress uh, with with this French agent. Uh, played by Sofia Butella, it, it's her primary motivation. I mean, it's personal for her. I mean, she yes, she's a professional, and she isn't letting her feelings get in the way of her work. But man, uh, things things are personal, and I I like that. And it's a it's a good contrast to Bond, like like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's just like oh well, you know, I I slept with this girl, she ends up dead. Oh well, on to the next one. <laughs> Uh, it's like no, uh, this this is a living, feeling person, uh, and and I I thought that that was just done so well, and it didn't matter that she was bi. It's like no, so exactly. so what? It, that that's kind of the coolest part about it is like a an honest, realistic depiction of of someone's sexuality, and no one cares, and that that's great. That's how it should be, right? Exactly. It should be, you know, if you're going to have, you know, a sex scene in a movie, whether it's between a man and a woman, two women, two men, three men, four women, who cares, you know? If it makes sense to the story, 
and the way it works, that's great. And you can, and this movie proves you can do it and be sexy and be erotic and yes, have some nudity. And it didn't come across as like pandering. It didn't, you know, it didn't feel like, oh, we're doing this just for the straight guys who are here mm-hmm. to look at boobies. You know, it was, it was like, no, actually, there's there's a reason this happened, and there's a scene before it and after it that makes a lot of sense. And I, I loved it, and I, I've got my, some of my bi friends have gone to see it, and they are ecstatic because they finally get to see themselves in a movie. And I think I think it's amazing. Extremely well done, and and one of the things that that I think. I would favorably compare it with is uh, the gin scene from American Gods, where mm-hmm. I mean that that is a yes, that is exactly. a gay sex scene, and again, like I Highly you know erotic. yeah I'm not uh, you know I'm not attracted to either of those men, but man well, that, that is one of sexy <laughs> as hell. <laughs> but but I can appreciate how sexy that is, even though it it isn't attractive to me. And and so I, it's it's just so artful and and so beautiful and uh, because because there's emotion at the core of it and 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 that's the same with American Gods and I and that's why I think it works so well is because this movie as cool as it is has a giant heart mm-hmm. and you know that that's one of the problems with well. I don't know if it's a problem with John Wick. I mean, it's just kind of a mindless, uh, you know, uh, beat him up, uh, blow him up movie, and it's so fun. Like I'm, I'm not bagging on John Wick at all, but I think this movie does better because because it has a heart and because it's because it is trying to tell a, a kind of bigger story other mm-hmm. than oh he's out for revenge because uh, you know some gangsters killed his dog. Which I, I totally support. You kill my dog, I will destroy you. So I, oh sure, I, I, no, I, I, totally I get it. <laughs> I get but, it. You know, speaking of hearts, though, this this movie is not afraid to rip out those hearts uh, because no. this has some of the most brutal, intense fighting action sequences I've ever, I've ever seen. And what's so cool is because mo- like the big fight scenes, especially the one at the end, uh, you could tell that the cinematographer is a fan of Birdman because it's a ten minute scene. That is shot to look like it's one take, much like all of Birdman was. Yeah. And it is the most brutal, dragged down, crazy fight I have ever seen in a movie. It was, and at the end of it, she and the guy are just barely standing up, panting and gasping for breath. Uh, it reminded me of, I think it was the second episode of the first season of Daredevil when they're in that hallway. Yeah. And they're just like, we, we're, we're done. <laughs> we have nothing left. And so she grabs a corkscrew and messes the guy up. But yeah. It's really great to see a movie that uh, isn't afraid to choreograph fight scenes and actually let them play out instead of doing 16 quick cuts for a five-second fight. Whereas, obviously, yeah. they're, they're calling cut every two seconds to make it perfect. And like, no, these, these actors had to, had to work their asses off to make it work. And so, I mean, that was so cool. Uh, the look and feel of the movie. James McAvoy as Percival. He was fun. How did we not talk about James McAvoy yet? Yeah, well, he's great. Obviously, it's, this, is, this is Charlize Theron's movie, but he is fun. He is he's he he's definitely plays more of the uh, of the comic relief, even though he is very important to the story and has a lot to say and do. But <laughs> the, the very first scene when she crashes, like the car gets crashed, and she's like falling out of the car. He's like, "Oh, here, let me help you with your bags," and just opens the trunk, and her bags fall out. And she's like, "Welcome to Berlin." <laughs> yeah. He's he's great and he's so perfect as her foil because you know she's all business. Um oh well 
she's business first and then has a heart in it. Yeah. Uh, he's gone completely native. And he is like, you know, Berlin is my city. There's a different set of rules here. And he's, you know, smuggling and selling information on the side and in in all sorts of things. But uh, he's he's doing it for what he thinks is kind of the greater good. And it's it's so interesting because you have these two different kind of morality sets playing against one another and neither of them trusts each other and they're both kind of like ready to double cross one another even though they're supposed to be working together and and on top of it so we like James McAvoy's great but my favorite part is uh Toby Jones and John Goodman oh they have so they, they must have had so much fun making this movie because they are the deadpan they're the two ones who are uh, interrogating Charlie's Theron's character after everything that happened, all the big cluster that happened in Berlin, yeah. to say. So the, the the whole movie is told in flashback, and so she's sitting there in a briefing room, all beat up, and you're like, "What the hell happened?" And she's telling the story, and it keeps cutting back to their reactions, and like the, some of them are so great because they're just like sitting there, like open mouth at what she just told them. But wh- the other great thing is you can tell that she's holding things back. She's not telling them what's really going on. And so you're like, oh, how much of a reliable narrator (laughs) is she? Yeah. Yeah. How much of this is real? How much of this is her just making it up and telling a story? Because they're very obviously trying to ape and mimic uh, the usual suspects and and other movies that are kind Mm -hmm. of told from that that same way. And I I will say that there's... This movie's great because there's some great little twists and turns and double and triple crosses. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one in the last five to ten seconds of the movie that I didn't see coming at all. And I'm, I saw the other ones. I, you know, I was like, oh, this is what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen here. Blah blah blah. That one blew me away. I'm like, oh, that is amazing. This this <laughs> that made me love this movie even more. <laughs> And it, it never felt manipulative or no, uh, or, or false. I'm like, oh, I get it. Okay, good. But good also, it was, it was fun too because the movie didn't really leave a trail of breadcrumbs for you to follow to get to that uh, get to that conclusion. But mm-hmm. the moment you see it happen, it was it, like it's like the the whole thing with uh, usual usual suspects. Like that's you're just like, oh, oh, you bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not, not although it, I mean I I don't want to set it up like that. It's like oh, it, you know, Kevin Spacey was Kaiser Soze all along. You no, know, the, Kevin the, Spacey's not in the movie, but it, it's a pretty big reveal. So. It is a pretty big reveal, and it it works. And I I thought it was interesting, and and I thought it was a great way to wrap it all up, and uh, perfectly fit the theme and the ethos of the movie, and 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 the, the time it took place too. So yeah, yeah. Very much. Anyways, I, I loved it. You know, I I have some small complaints. Just you know, like I said, it's a little bit too much exposition, too much time yeah. in between. We're here for the action scenes, and there's and sometimes there's too much time in between before we get back there. So I'm actually go up a little bit from my review on Big Shiny. I'm, at, I'm actually at eight point five now. That I've, mm-hmm. I've I've seen it again since we reviewed it. Uh, it. It's a ton of fun. If you can see it in a place where you can enjoy adult beverages, it's even more fun. 
uh, and go get the soundtrack. It's such an amazingly fun soundtrack. I mean, this has been a summer for great soundtracks. I mean, this, Baby Driver, Guardians, yeah. it, it, it's you'll have a blast with this. It was so fun because I'm like, oh, I need the soundtrack for this movie, and I'm like, N- oh, no, I, <laughs> I I own every single one of the songs on the soundtrack, <laughs> and so it was really great. I just came home and made myself a playlist, and I I I loved it. And I mean, this is this is my music. This is the stuff I love. And I mean, they they couldn't have picked a more me soundtrack unless they'd like grabbed like. Uh, you know those great '90s soundtracks, like like Singles or The Crow or Empire Records or something like. But it it works in that same way, and it it just it worked because it was so authentic. And what I thought was really cool it was they they kept it period specific. Mm-hmm. Not a single one of those songs was released after the fall of the Berlin Wall. And and so there were some of them. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm making my own list. I really want to, you know, put this song on there from um, In Excess's Kick or uh, Depeche Mode's Violator. It's like, no, those came out six months later. It's like, yeah. not not quite. And I'm like, those would have been perfect. But no, they, they kept the period specific songs. And I just I, I thought it was I thought it was perfect. I, I just absolutely loved all of it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the same way. I gave it an eight when I did Big Shiny Robot. Um, I'll I'll give it an eight and a half too because Yay. after seeing the after seeing <laughs> the emoji movie, it's like you know I can't give emoji a negative score, but it makes me appreciate Atomic Blonde that much more. So and much more. Oh my gosh! Here was the other thing is I you know I gave Dunkirk an eight. And I felt like it was a begrudging eight. I, I was never so excited about Dunkirk. I'm so excited about Atomic Blonde. And I will tell <laughs> everyone I know to go see it because I just think it works so much. Unfortunately, not enough people are listening to us. It's like, what what happened at the box office? I have no idea. <sighs> so, yeah, so this is your warning. Don't go see Emoji Movie. It's horrible. Please it's a- don't. Uh, I still can't believe I got through it keeping this review PG-13 rated because I've I've not been that angry about a movie since I got out of uh, Love the Coopers. So Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, so don't see that. Go see Atomic Blonde. Go see it like five times because, I mean, it's, it's actually made its budget back almost, you know, worldwide. But this has been a really great summer for movies. Uh, we've had yeah. only one or two misfires. I mean, in Emoji Movie obviously is the worst. But even the ones that weren't were just okay, like Valerian, they were at least somewhat enjoyable. It hasn't been that sure. crazy. Sure. But Atomic Wand is definitely one to go check out. Yeah, exactly. Alright, so next week we have got The Dark Tower, which is based on Stephen King's incredibly popular uh, series of books. And we also have Detroit, which is uh, a thriller slash drama that takes place uh, during the Detroit riots uh, back decades ago and stars Finn from the Star Wars Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. Yeah. Yep. All right. I, my brain's not working because of that damn movie. I'm just going to go take a couple shots, and hopefully I'll feel better. So anyways, <laughs> hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Punk ass tripping, but it's all right. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly.